This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today I'll talk about family. I recently spoke at a church in Romania, and during the service there was a baby dedication and a baptism, and the pastor asked me if I would talk about family. So I put together some notes, did some study, and thought that I would share it with you all as well. And before I get into that, though, I'd like to remind you, if you have any questions, anything you'd like to share with me, any topics you'd like me to cover, please feel free to drop me a line at ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. You can also visit the Ask for the Ancient Paths YouTube channel, and there you'll find all of these talks organized according to playlists. So there's a little easier access there instead of scrolling back through the podcast feed. Recently, a listener asked me about the music that I had mentioned that it's actually me playing the guitar. And I want to remind you again, if you like it, if you're interested in hearing more from that album, and I have another album as well, you can look me up wherever you get your digital music. The artist's name, of course, is Michael Cantrell. The album name is Sanctuary. I also have an album called Invocation, which is solo hammered dulcimer music. So let's get into this discussion about family. Some thoughts about it. What does the Bible say about family? Not only human families, but also the family of God. There's a lot more, of course, that can be said than I'll say here. But just to get us thinking about it and the promises of God and the reality of what he invites us into, the family of God. To God... The family is holy, meaning that it's set aside for his work, for his purposes. And the family is a place where children can grow in the faith and learn about love and trust. Of course, human families are imperfect. Many of us come from families where there's been a lot of strife in the family. Some of us are from broken families where there's been divorce So we shouldn't keep our eyes on human families as our example, or human fathers or human mothers, Uh, though it is a mystery that God has set aside the family as a place for him to do his work, for his purposes. And this mysterious union of husband and wife as an image of Christ in the church, that unity of which God speaks, and how it's a reality to him when he looks at us. The Lord never wants a family to be broken. This is very important. He never wants a family to be broken. And if I may dip my toes into a controversial topic, I've had some people say that the Lord never said anything. Jesus himself never said anything about homosexuality. But he did talk about the Father's purpose in creation. And we'll look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. Some Pharisees came to test him. Okay. (laughs) Of course, Jesus is never surprised if somebody tries to test him. He always knows what's going on well ahead of the game. So these Pharisees asked Jesus, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Well, there's a lot going on here with this question, but they're testing him. And he replies in verse 4 of Matthew 19, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, 
and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. And therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Well, those are the words of Jesus. From the beginning, before Christianity, before the Mosaic Law, before Abram, before Noah, God created human beings, male and female. That's from the beginning of creation. This idea of marriage, of unity, of oneness, goes all the way back to before the fall. And because he made them male and female, a man will leave his father and mother and be united, made one, with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Now remember, this is in response to this question about divorce. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And Jesus says, well, all the way back to the beginning, before any other discussions about divorce, God's purpose is that a man and a woman would be united and become one. And therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Now, before I go any further, I just want to mention David Pawson, this British Bible teacher. He's really good. He did a great series of talks on divorce and remarriage, and you can visit his website. I'll include that link in the show notes. He did a really wonderful study of the context for the Old Testament scriptures regarding divorce and remarriage, what Jesus said about divorce and remarriage, and what he meant, and some of these complicated scriptures that talk about divorce and remarriage. And then also he talks about applications today, because right now, certainly in the West, in the United States, they have divorce uh, with no fault. It's no-fault divorce. You just get divorced for any and every reason. But Jesus is saying that before the fall of man, the purpose is that a husband and a wife will become one flesh, and they should not be separated. That's not the will of God. The scripture says that God hates divorce. And I'll get back to my initial comment here. The Lord never wants a family to be broken. It does happen. We live in a sinful, fallen world. But God does not want families to be broken. A friend of mine, a pastor who's done a lot of weddings, had a tradition, something that he would share with the families of the bride and groom. In the United States, the day before the wedding, usually there's a rehearsal. And after the rehearsal, and the rehearsal is just when everybody in the wedding party practices where they're going to go, where they're going to stand, how they move, who gets seated when. And after that, there's what's called a rehearsal dinner. And that's when the families and the friends of the bride and groom will meet together, have a big meal together. And my friend, the pastor who would officiate at the wedding, would take that opportunity to say something to the families the day before the wedding. And he would say, on the wedding day, tomorrow, something new is going to be created that has never existed on this earth. A new family is being formed. When this man and this woman bind themselves together, they are one in the sight of God, and a new family has been created. And then my friend would say to the families, don't ever come between husband and wife. 
they are one in the sight of God. And that is excellent, excellent advice. Some of you listening may have family members who try to come between you and your spouse. Well, don't let them do it. Don't ever come between husband and wife because they are one. It's a new family. And the unity of the husband and the wife is the basis of the strength of the family. They are one. My wife and I often think about this, that when the Lord looks at us, he sees one person. We are no longer two. We're one. It's a mystery. I don't really understand exactly how it works, but that's what the scripture says. And that goes all the way back to creation before the fall. This is not just for Christian marriages. It's not just for followers of Jesus. This is the way creation has been organized. This unity of the husband and the wife in the sight of God is the basis of the strength of the family, and it reflects in a mysterious way the unity that Christ and the church have. So let's remember, the Lord never wants a family to be broken. God hates divorce. We live in a broken world. It does happen, and it hurts. It hurts terribly. But if you're thinking about divorce, if you're leaning in that direction, if you have some friends that are giving you advice to just get divorced and move on with your life. Don't give up hope. Do not give up hope. God hates divorce, and I feel for you if you're in that spot. But really pray. Pray deeply and seriously about how the Lord would have you proceed. Another thing I want to mention is that God sets the lonely in families. This is in Psalm 68, starting in verse 4. Sing to God, sing praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, For his name is Jehovah, and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. This is one of the purposes of God, one of his characteristics. He sets the lonely in families. And here we see he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And what's the commonality there? Someone who is fatherless or a woman who's a widow. They're not in a full family, not a complete family. And God will be that father to the fatherless. I imagine some orphans are listening right now. And actually a friend of mine told me, he said, if we live long enough, we all become orphans because our parents die before us. And God is a father to the fatherless, and he defends the widow, and he sets the lonely in families. The family is so important to God. God also promises that he will never leave us. And this relates specifically to our being brought into the family of God. In John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. This is the Lord speaking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now let's take a second to look at this. 
Uh, First, if you love me, you will obey what I command. I used to take this as a burdensome saying. (laughs) You need to obey me. You've got to do what I say or you don't love me. But that's not actually the tone of it or the meaning of it. What is love? Love is laying down your life for another person. There's no greater love than that. And what is obedience? It's when you set aside your own will and follow the will of another. So if we love God, if we are willing to lay aside our lives for him, well, that necessarily means that we will obey because we'll set aside our own will for him because he is so much wiser and more knowledgeable. He's a loving father. And of course we can trust him. And so if we love him, then we'll obey him. And Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you a counselor. He says, I'll send the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And he says that his disciples know him because the Holy Spirit is with them, but the Spirit will be in them. And that is, of course, the new covenant. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So here's this great mixing, overlapping The Father and the Spirit and Jesus himself are all one. And Jesus says, the Spirit of truth is going to come into you, and I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. Amen. The Lord does not leave us fatherless. He will not leave us as orphans. Of course, that was a concern. Here, the rabbi, the teacher, is going to die soon, the next day, and they're going to feel abandoned. And he is promising them, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I won't do it. It's so important for us to understand that he's not leaving us as orphans. As a matter of fact, we have been adopted into God's family. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He predestined us to be adopted as sons. Now, just a little aside here, I think the gender of this is not as important as some people might think, that we have been predestined to be adopted as sons. Well, some people listening might say, it's better to say he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters, or as his children, but he said sons. In other places, the church, of which I am a member, is related to being a bride, and I don't want to presume to say, well, he ought to say the bride and the groom because we have women and men in the church. Here we've been predestined to be adopted into his family through Jesus Christ. Now, I have some experience with this. When a child is adopted, that child becomes fully a child in the new family, 100% a member of the family. That adopted child comes under the covering of the father and mother. That adopted child receives special attention that comes from a father and mother. It's 
It's a parental attention that is only given to children. And an adopted child receives special gifts from his or her parents. This adoption into the family is 100%. Adopted children come under the covering and they receive special attention and they receive special gifts. And we have been adopted into the family of God. So we come under the covering of God. We become 100% a member of the family of God. And because we are children of God, we receive God's special attention and we receive his special gifts. That's what it is to be a child. And Jesus promises that he won't leave us as orphans and we have indeed been adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ into the family of God. And because we are children, we have an inheritance The scriptures say that we have an inheritance in God, in Christ. Now, what is an inheritance? It's something that the father and mother set aside for their children to inherit later on, to walk into. An inheritance is not something that we earn. We can't work for it. It's the result of the labor of our parents. And receiving an inheritance is the natural result of being a child. It is good for us parents to leave an inheritance for our children. A physical inheritance, which could be money or property or special photographs. Something that is of value that will help the child continue on in life. And we can leave a spiritual inheritance. Actually, I'm halfway hopeful that these recordings will be a sort of an inheritance for my child and my grandchildren, should the Lord provide, that there's an inheritance there, something that I can leave behind that will be helpful to the later generations of my children and my grandchildren and on and on. Well, what about the inheritance that we have from God? First of all, what is the inheritance? The scriptures say we have an inheritance. What is it? Well, in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, we read Jesus saying, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Wow. Oh, boy, beautiful. Our inheritance is the kingdom. Now, I might inherit a car or a piece of property from my parents, some portion of some piece of land somewhere. And our inheritance from God is the kingdom, the entire kingdom, which has been prepared for us since the creation of the world. That's our inheritance. I want to be careful that we don't think this is like a Hallmark gift card, some saying that's encouraging but not really real based in reality. Jesus is saying that on that day we will receive this inheritance and it is the kingdom. We're going to receive it fully, and it's been prepared for us by our Heavenly Father.
Colossians 3.23 echoes that. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Verse 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. There it is again. We will receive an inheritance. And whatever we do, we should do it completely with our heart as working for the Lord, not for men, because we're going to receive an inheritance as a reward. Amen. Well, how can we be sure of this? And this is a question. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 11, helps us understand this. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Here we see that the Holy Spirit, which the Lord promised, said he wouldn't leave us as orphans, he would come to us, he would send that Holy Spirit, the Father would send the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is a deposit (laughs) that guarantees our inheritance. Amen. Well, when do we get this guarantee, this deposit? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we read, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Well, here we see Peter saying something that Jesus said, that we receive a new birth. We are born again. We're born from above. In John chapter 3, that's another reading of that. To be born again is to be born from above. I'll take a little side note here to discuss what it is to be born from above. I'm a musician, and I used to play the cello in a quartet and also in an orchestra. And some of you musicians will have the same experience when you're playing with a group and you start playing a piece of music, but you need to go back and begin again. You can say, let's take it from the top. You start over. You start that piece of music all the way over from the top, from the beginning, from above. And that's what it resonates in me when Jesus says you're born again or born from above. It's like saying, okay, Now we start life again. Let's take it from the top. (laughs) And Peter is saying that he has given us a new birth. We're born into this family of God, and we're born into, in this new birth, into an inheritance, which is unlike a human inheritance. Because here on earth, anything that I leave to my children will perish, spoil, fade. But... The inheritance that we receive from God can never perish, can never spoil. It'll never fade away. So we're born from above into this new family. We're adopted as children of God. When we enter into a family, we receive rights. Some of those rights include what I just talked about, the inheritance. 
The right of a child is direct access to the father. When we enter into a family, we receive brothers and sisters. And when we enter into a family, we actually enter into a new line, a new line of ancestors. When we enter God's family, we receive the rights of inheritance, direct access to the Father. We are surrounded by brothers and sisters, and we've entered into a new line, a new family line. And we are under the covering of our Heavenly Father. And because He is our Heavenly Father and He is our covering, He is responsible for providing and protecting and guiding and teaching. That's His responsibility. If we will submit to the Father of our spirits, we'll live. We'll trust Him, our loving Father. We will not be left as orphans. We are not orphans. In the past, I've been tempted to say at various times, Oh God, where are you? But now I don't say that anymore because I know that he has promised he will not leave me. He has not left me. Our Father is the God above all gods, the creator of all. That's our Heavenly Father. And our big brother is a carpenter from Nazareth. His name is Jesus. But our big brother also happens to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's a good big brother to have. And the Spirit of God binds us together with the Father and the Son and with our brothers and sisters in the family of God. In love, we are bound together into this family of God. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.